It is a podcast for women of color where we talk about our stories and the issues we face on a daily basis. And I'm your host, Karen Davis Thompson. Today, I have my girl with me, Maureen Green James. And I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Maureen. But first, Maureen, say hey to the people, girl. Hey, what's going on, Karen? Happy to be here. Thank you. So, Maureen is a people professional who has held leadership roles in HR, talent development, DEI, and employee communications throughout her very, very successful career. In 2020, my girl added entrepreneur to the list when she launched MGJ Speaks. She's talked about that before, and we will talk about it again today mm-hmm. to provide career coaching to women seeking their next. She's had several podcasts and speaking engagements, and she speaks See how we did that there? To inspire others, <laughs> especially women of color, <laughs> with a relentless pursuit that refuses to let them give up on themselves or each other. Thank you so very much, girl, for that, because we really do need it. How are you yeah. doing? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. And yes, girl, we really do need it. I'm good. You know, it's, you know, it's been a minute. So I'm happy to be back with you, with your listeners, with your audience, with your tribe. Um, but yeah, I, I'm happy to be here and, and uh, lots going on. You know, I stay busy. I do, you know, a lot of things that I'm still working on with MGJ Speaks. I've been, you know, writing a few articles here and there. So, you know, I'm staying busy, but it's all good. All good. It's all good. There's so much work to be done, right? So Mm -hmm. girl, I know what you mean is a lot of work to be done. Uh, And it's why I wanted to have you on today. So I've had this conversation with several people and uh, seen people talk about it. I've seen articles on it and it's around a term that I, I don't know how long it's been around, but I would probably say I heard it a lot more after the murder of George Floyd. And that was this term microaggression, right? Mm. Um, And I've always wanted to talk to somebody who could define that for me and for our listeners. Like, I feel like I've been a victim of microaggressions. And sometimes I'm like, I think that was a microaggression. (laughs) You you don't quite know, but I'm like, that's a microaggression. So that's kind of what I wanted us to talk about today. Uh, What it is, you know, what to do if you, if you think that, you know, it's happened to you just around that. So if you could help me first by defining the term microaggression. And so Karen, here's the thing, just so that you are aware, if you're wondering, like you just said, if you've actually been somebody who's on, been on the receiving end of a microaggression girl, you have, we all have. Anybody who looks like us, we've been there. So here's the thing. So the coin, the term was actually coined back in the 70s, right? By uh, Chester Pierce, Dr. Chester Pierce, who was a Harvard University professor. And he really described it as um, subtle, everyday ways that Black people experience discrimination from their white counterparts. And it was actually something that was brought back into public consciousness somewhere around 2007, when there started to be all of these impacts to uh, Black and Brown students on college campuses and universities. And then in 2016, um, the term became even more widespread because now you know, you had college students who were really um, feeling the impacts and actually voicing their concerns around what they perceived as subtle everyday put downs or insults, offensive remarks from quote unquote, well-meaning white peers and, and faculty. But really, when you think about microaggressions, we've all experienced it, you know, they, and while we say they are subtle ways, they don't feel so subtle to us. You know what I mean? Like it's a little, it feels a little more than just subtle. I would have to agree. Like when you said that, uh, what came to me, and I, I think I maybe have told this story before on the podcast, I am not a fan of layaway. Mm. And it is because <laughs> I was probably about 15 or 16. And I remember this legit like it was yesterday. And I had worked at our uh, church preschool for the summer and saved up all my little money. And I won't say the name of the store, but it's still in existence, but under a different name. And I had gone in and spent my little money and got a whole bunch of stuff for school. And as we were leaving, there was this really cute denim jacket that I thought would be great. You know, we live in Florida, Mm -hmm. so you don't need anything super, super heavy, but you know, there are cool days and it was a really nice jacket. And so my mom and I looked, she's like, you want it? Yeah, I like it. I think I tried it on. So I go back in, it wasn't on sale and I put it down 
And the white clerk looked at me and said, lay away. And I just looked at her and I said, no cash. And she kind of made this face like, oh. And so my mom, and I immediately caught it. You don't think I could possibly have any more money. I had spent maybe a couple hundred bucks in there, which back then, you know, wasn't no little drop in the bucket. Right. right? So in her mind, surely this little black girl can't have any more money. And she associates, oh, they lay everything away. So, I mean, I hadn't said anything. I just sat the jacket down for her to ring it up. And before I could say a word, lay away. And I'm like, no fam cash. So my mom was like, do you did pick up on that? Right. And it, from that day to this one, when I tell you, I won't lay away a tic-tac. I won't lay, like, I can't, I just can't because I, 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 the insinuation was that surely, and I'm thinking, dang it, that was a microaggression. I was like a teenager. (laughs) Yes. I know what you mean when you say it, it doesn't, you know, we say it's subtle, but it doesn't feel subtle. Like that thing still resonates with me today. And I am well past 16. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, you still talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it has scar. I'm telling you lay some away. Not the, I will not. Yeah. And that's a horrible, that's a horrible thing. You know what I'm saying? Like you just can't do what it is that you want to do because yep. you, you have this feeling that this is going to happen to you again. So it actually hinders us. And when it hinders us like that, it's not so subtle. And I'm, I'm in the same place. It's happened to me on a, on a number of occasions. Um, you know, I have been shopping in the supermarket, minding my own business, coming up to, you know, a woman who is not black and not of color. And she's got her purse sitting in the shopping cart. And I just happened to be walking by because I'm just trying to get me some fruit, okay? And I happened to walk by and all of a sudden I see her pick up her purse with a quickness and start clutching it for dear life as if I want anything to do with you and your purse. I just want my fruit. And so when you think about just that, that is a microaggression that is linked to what we call criminality that you think you know, someone who's black, who's just happens to be in the vicinity of you is a criminal, or you mistake somebody who is black for something else. You know, once when I, shortly after I got promoted at an organization that I was working for, I walked into a room and happened to show up with donuts for everybody. And a woman in the room said to me, you can just put those right there, but you're going to have to leave. Excuse me. I am actually a director and it was invited to this. I'm actually part of the meeting. Okay. I just bought donuts in. So it's really, it's really something that when you, when you walk away from the situation after it's happened to you, which is, I think what also happened to you after it's happened to you, you kind of go, wait, what, what, what just happened? How did that happen? What did, did I do something? You, you start replaying it in your head. It's a problem. Yeah. And I don't, I didn't have a name for it. I just thought, right. Is she for real? You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, so, um, you know, that was part of the reason, like, like I said, I wanted to have this conversation. I think that, um, as much as in corporate, especially they say, Oh, it's just subtle ways that, yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. It isn't subtle. And I Mm -hmm. think it speaks to those, um, I guess, unconscious bias. That's another term you hear people use a lot that people are carrying around, um, and then it manifests itself. And then you say something crazy, like, oh, you can put those down, but you need to leave. Or you ask the little black girl, cause you don't think she can have any more money. And what you associate with, you know, the black people that you've seen coming to your store, a lot of them lay away. So you assume that's what we all mm-hmm. do. None of us can buy it outright, you know? Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the look of shock on her face is what got me, honey. When I told her that I was going to pay cash for this jacket. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, uh, as I said, that still sticks with me today. And I often wonder in her case, you know, I just kind of told her cash with, with the quiet, it was dripping with attitude. And then we moved on, but <laughs> as it should be, you know, but if you're in that situation and let's say you're in the workplace or you're talking to a friend, you know, um, we all have friends of different colors, nationalities, and you experience a microaggression you feel like a microaggression has occurred. So then when you're in that situation, what next, what do you do next? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a really good question because the truth is there's no, you know, single best way to respond, right? You know, when it happens, whether it's happening to you or even when you're witnessing it, right? Um, I I think that, you know, we have a responsibility 
and I say we as in all of us, but particularly uh, we as in Black people have a responsibility to really take action and find ways to call it out as unacceptable behavior, because that is really what it is, or name the impact the words are having or the actions are having. And that may seem easier said than done. And um, there are people who will say, well, that's not my job to do. You should know that. But here's the thing. They're always going to act like they don't know it. We always have to be on the end of telling them, oh, you know, but let me just remind you if you're going to, you know, tell me, oh, I didn't know I was doing that. But do it in a way that doesn't necessarily put them down, you know, like not necessarily make them like you're not so salty about it, even though, girl, we know we already we already are. But do it in a way that really um, serves to educate. And unfortunately, we have to do this often. We have to, 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 to make sure that we call it out and we quote unquote remind people of what they're doing often. And the reason I say it's important to do that is because if we don't, we will continue to walk away from situations like that, hurting and not healing. And the actual acknowledgement of, hey, I just want to tell you about something that just, ha just happened, this interaction that just happened between us that made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I want you to understand what it is and why. If we don't say that, we walk away hurting. And that hurt continues. I mean, just think back to your story that happened to you when you were 16. And while you're no longer hurting from it, you've never forgotten it. And so it is one of those things that if we continue to perpetuate the behavior, allow it to go on without saying anything, we're going to continue to be hurt and they're always going to do it because and for them, they, it's, it's really taken up the privilege that they think they have and now they've run with it. And if we haven't said anything, we haven't addressed it, they think that, okay, I'm good. I can do this again. So it's a really, it's a really sticky situation. It's a really difficult thing to, to say to somebody, you've got to be able to, to call it out. Um, and then the other thing I would also add, um, there are truly people who don't even know, like really, truly, truly don't know. And so it's almost like you have to make the invisible visible. It's like you have to bring it to their attention because they truly are not aware. And if they're not aware, they can't change. And so they'll just keep on doing it. So I think there is a, there's a responsibility on us to, as much as it is painful and exhausting, that's probably the better word, we have to do that. And I agree. That's what I was going to say. It does, you know, seem like it's always the onus is always on us, right? Um, to call it what it is. And, you know, what would you say to those who it's one thing when it's happened to you? Mm -hmm. And as you said, however, sometimes we are witnessing it and want to say, hey, that's really not my, you know, my job. Or if he or she didn't say anything, why should I step up and say anything? So what do you say to those who feel like, you know, because when we talk about inclusion um, and they talk about allies, right? And so if you are going to be an ally and you can be an ally and be a person of color, you can be an mm -hmm. ally and not be a person of color. Um, and so if I am witnessing it, whether I'm black, white, you know, purple, green, yellow, whatever, whether I, whatever my nationality is, my gender, if I see it and I know uh, that, 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 that wasn't really cool, what, the, what mm -hmm. just happened, what is our responsibility? And what do you say to people who feel like I don't want to get involved in that? Yeah. <laughs> and that happens. Um, that happens often, right? Um, I, I think so. If you're, if you're speaking to the person who's actually just committed the microaggression you want to just pull them aside to somebody else and you want to pull them aside you know and say hey you know I listened to, I heard the conversation you know I, I think you could have addressed it a different way but point out to them exactly what they did or what they said because again they may really genuinely not know right but point it out to them and they may say you know well I'm sorry I don't know what to do about that 
How could I have done it differently? That's the big question. Most people don't ask, but people should. How could I have done different? What could I have said differently? And then you simply share with them what they could have done and what they could have said differently. And one of the things that I always do is, so if I hear it, if I happen to hear it, or if I'm actually in the middle of it, because sometimes you're right in a conversation when it happens, I will pull the person aside and I'll say, yo, that's just not, that's not cool. Sometimes I'll be like, what are you talking about? Innocently. And sometimes I'll be like, what are you talking about? Not so innocently. Either way, you have to educate the person and let them know. And I always encourage the person, just go to the individual and say, hey, I realized this just happened. I didn't mean for it to happen this way. And I'm really sorry. Um, and again, easier said than done. Let me tell you a quick story about um, something that happened to my husband. So in the mornings, we like to go for a walk in the neighborhood. And we were, he was coming back from a walk. I wasn't with him on this particular morning. And there were these two people who were walking in the neighborhood. He knew them only by seeing them in passing, but didn't know who they were. And they came up to him and they said, you know, we really like your home. And so they introduced themselves and they said they were new in the neighborhood. And they told my husband, you know, where they live. And, you know, they were getting ready to part ways. And they, they, the husband of the two says, I just wanted to stop by. I just wanted to let you know how much we really love your home and how lovely the landscaping is. And, you know, he went on and on and that's fine. But then he added, um, it looks, it reminds me of a drug dealer's home. So wait, I'm sorry, what? I'm not, I, girl, you can't make this stuff up. So again, I wasn't with him. And it wasn't until later, much, much later in the day, probably the end of our day, he starts to, you know, recant this story to me. And I'm not aware the people he's talking about don't ring a bell to me, but he's telling me the whole story because later in the day, they came and rang the doorbell and apologized and said, we realize that that probably wasn't the right thing to say. That's really, really not what we meant. We just, when we think about all the homes in the neighborhood, they're all big and they're gorgeous and blah, blah, blah. And we just wanted to tell you really how well we loved your home. So my, my husband's telling me this whole story. And I said, okay, so it's good. It's good, right? that they recognized what they said, how it impacted him. I don't know if he had a look on his face. My husband does not have a poker face. When he doesn't like something, you will know. So I don't know if he had a look on his face that made them recognize in that moment, hmm, probably not the right thing to say. But the point is, they came back and apologized. And what that said to me was, someone's probably told them before and they, they knew better. But in that moment, they might have thought it was some kind of a compliment. But the fact that you're saying this to a black man in this neighborhood, and there's many of us in this neighborhood, but the fact that you're saying this to a black man in the neighborhood, but then you, you figure it out and then you come back later on to apologize. I said to my husband that at the end of the day, whether we want to believe it or not, that's progress. Because somebody, I don't know if it was his wife, somebody else in his family, whoever, somebody said, that was not right. You need to fix that. So we have to make sure we educate. Right. Well, not only educate, and I guess I'm, I'm kind of like, it would be, girl, I, I know we should just thank God for the progress and okay. say, they apologize. But I'm saying to myself, are you yes. for real? Yes. <laughs> like, and then I don't, I don't even know how... You think to yourself, when those words left your, like from your brain to your right. mouth, at no point did you think. Mm -hmm. hmm. There wasn't like, a, a, like a, a sharp, like thing, something going on in your head, like something. Yeah. Before you say that, or like the one that I used to get, and I always wondered if I should have addressed it 
And I think that one of the things I know I struggle with, and I'm sure a lot of, of, of black, black women or black people in general struggle with is when you call it out, are you going to get the eye roll and like, oh my God, everything is a racial issue. Like Mm -hmm. the one that used to really bother me is when my children were younger, it was almost a guarantee that we could be sitting at a restaurant and a white person was going to come over and tell Mm -hmm. me how well-behaved my children were. And I'm like, I'm not going to say like, you know, I don't want to say thank you to that or whatever. It's like, I just don't understand. Literally I could, I would like, yep. She's on her way over here. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to tell you, Oh, it's just how well we, I'm thinking like, like they're animals. And so you're, you know, that you're glad that they were able to sit, sit, you know what I mean? Like, and Uh I used to feel like, I, I felt like if I say something, then it's, Oh my God, I was just giving you a compliment, but it isn't a compliment. Do you walk up to the white people in the room and say, I've never seen that maybe it happens that I've just never seen it, but you walk up and, Oh, they're so well-behaved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that mean? What did you what expect? That? Yeah. What, what like am I supposed to do to that? Right. It's like when people say, oh, you're so articulate. Yeah. Oh, girl, uh, don't, don't do it. But, <laughs> what? And, and what exactly were you expecting? Yeah. It's crazy. It's almost like the, the, the expectations, the expectations are actually so low for us. But why? Right. And I guess that, you know, what you just said, that, that that's a light bulb moment for me. It is the expectation is low. Mm-hmm. It is like whatever small microcosm of black folks they've seen in their right. minds, the children run around and don't know how to act. Or it is still that, you know, I've talked to several guests where this has come up in their minds that we're not like other, we're not like everybody else. Our children aren't children. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. almost like they're, oh, look at the little doggy that can sit. I mean, I, you know, that's, that's kind of the feeling that I would, that it would give me. And literally every single, I'm thinking, it's like, what, what is this? You know, what is and this? So, yeah. yeah. And so I think that I had never thought about it until you said that the expectation is so low that when I open my mouth to speak, surely mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to conjugate this verb. Right. Or, you know, my children won't be able to sit in a restaurant and mm-hmm. color with their little crayons or do whatever, like every other child in the restaurant. Uh, and so I, I think that that is part of it, that, you know, their expectation is so low. But I also wondered or worried, and you can tell me what, how do we deal with that feeling? Sometimes I felt like if I'm, if I mention it, I'm going to get the, oh my God, it was just a compliment or here we go. Or, or, or especially nowadays, because there is so much going on that is racially charged, especially in Florida. We got a lot of crazy people running the mm-hmm. government. That's all I'm going to say. So it's a, it's a rough place to live. So, yes, to be black. it really is. It is. So every time we mention it or we bring it up, then it becomes, oh, here you go. You so woke, you know, that's their word now. Mm-hmm. So how do you combat that and not allow that to stop you from feeling empowered to say, this isn't right what you just said. And here's why. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> It's, so for all of the reasons that you just said, Karen, it's hard because at any moment somebody could pop off and be like, that, what? That is not what I meant. And and yeah, and not take any ownership or any responsibility for it at all. I think that we really have to um, we have to we have to stand tall and be clear in our conviction about the fact that this just isn't right and we may even have to tell them him her they whoever we may even have to say this is this is what happened this is what how it made me feel and if they say you know i'm sorry but i don't even know why you're going there this here we go again you're gonna have to leave it at that you're gonna have to walk away and just leave it at that because those are the individuals that you're not going to be able to 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 really change, and you don't want to get argumentative with people about this, because the more argumentative that you become about it, the more emotionally taxing it is for you, and the more emotionally charging for them in a positive way it becomes. So it's almost like the the two things are butting heads with each other. And they'll they'll never meet, right? And the piece that I'm always concerned about, and I will be all day every day because I'm black all day every day, is the emotional tax that this places upon us. And so it doesn't serve us. It serves us to educate, 
Absolutely. It does not serve us, in my opinion, to argue and to fight over, um, you know, someone's mention, <laughs> someone's mention of us being woke. I love when they use that term. It's just really funny to me. Anyway, someone's mention of us, you know, being woke and here we go again. Unfortunately, they're not going to get it. Um, and I don't think it really serves us well to get into the, the battle that's going to leave us feeling even um, more unhealed than we were before whatever incident that occurred happened. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so, because I think that, you know, what I always worry about is obviously when you call attention to it, um, if you aren't careful and you get into a back and forth, then it becomes you're angry and yeah. right. And what, and God only knows that's what they already think about when anytime, you know, we voice an opinion. Yep. And that's part, and that's, that adds on to the emotion. Yeah. That adds yes. on to the emotional attacks, you know, it, yes. I mean, there's so much that's additive just from that one thing, you know, and, and that whole, you know, um, you know, the whole thing on, you know, black, black, angry, black women. I, I, it is, it is, it's really shocking it's, to me because, you know, I think that we are by nature nurturers, right? And we really try and um, create a good place. However, there are some things <laughs> that you and I know that you cannot do and you better not do. And when we start getting to that point where we're having conversations with people about this particular topic and we know they're not getting, it's really best for us to just let it go and walk away. Don't add on to that emotional tax. It's already there. It's already there. Don't add more. When is it a microaggression and when is it just straight out racist? Yeah, I think the line, <laughs> it's so first of all, it's a very fine line. Well, I'll just say that it's an extremely fine line. I think you know when someone is being racist because they are, um, they don't hold back. You know, they kind of let, they kind of let you know it. Like the woman in your situation, we won't ever know for sure. But when, and, and I've heard you tell that story before. And every time I hear you tell the story, to me, it's racist and a microaggression, right? Um, but then there are people who are blatant um, with it and you know for sure, mm -mm, no microaggressions happening here. It's just racist. True story. Years ago, my daughter was working at a local McDonald's and she was at the window. She's just doing her job. She's, you know, people pay for their food. They come through the drive-thru. She, she hands them the food. Person comes through the food, through the driveway and she hands them their food. And, you know, you check the bag to make sure everything is in there. And something was missing from the bag and the person took the French fries and threw them at her and called her a dumb nigger. Now, and she, so she was probably about 17, I guess at the time. And she was devastated. She was, I mean, bellowing, boo crying, nothing like that had ever happened to her. Totally understand. But it wasn't like one, we hadn't told her, girl, this is not a nice world, especially to us. So you need to pull yourself together and you need to be able to be comfortable, comfortable in walking tall and walking away because that is a blatant act of racism. And it is very unfortunate that while that was probably the first time it's happened to you, it will not be the last. Microaggressions are really interesting because they are, um, there's a woman named Tiffany Jana. She's written a book called Subtle Acts of Exclusion, How to Understand, Identify, and Stop Microaggressions. And she describes them as subtle acts of exclusion. They are a behavior that might be subtle and not intentional, but it serves to exclude people and pushes them further on the margin. That, when I, when I read that, I thought, oh my gosh, that's like the perfect description 
of what a microaggression is. Because if you think about the word microaggression, micro is small. These are not small things. These are macro things. And so if you go someplace in between, what you have is subtle, right? Really subtle acts of exclusion that whether they are intentional or not, they both have the same outcome, right? They serve to exclude people and push them farther away. So I think that's where you know where the, the, the line is, right? It's those little subtle things, those kind of little digs that are actually big digs for us, not so subtle. Um, whereas racism, it's, it's very blatant. It's very, very much right there. And you know it, you can identify it immediately. I, get, I think that's a good, yeah, you're probably right. It was probably a little bit of both. On old girls. Oh, for sure. The, the woman in the store. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It was. It was yeah. a very subtle way to be racist. I don't know what you know what yes. I mean. Like, and Absolutely. I guess that's that's where the struggle is for a lot of people. You know, um, or you feel like like in the case of your husband, part of me just feels like I just don't understand how you didn't know telling mm-hmm. a black man that his house reminds you of a drug dealer's house was going to be a problem. Like, right. I just don't understand. Like you thought that was a compliment. Yeah. Like what about that? You didn't think, you know, the whole articulate thing. Um, mm-hmm. I see it more, I guess, as a microaggression because in your warped mind, black people clearly can't speak correctly. Right. right? But I mean, really, you're just going to tell this man that his house reminds you of a drug dealer's house and nowhere in your brain did you mm-hmm. not realize that's just not the thing to say to anybody, but especially a black person. like Especially, you know? come on now. But again, you know, I got to give him props because he came back and said, you know what? I realized what I did. Somebody schooled him. Somebody said something to him. Or he walked away probably immediately, like to your point, he walked away and thought, I probably shouldn't have said that. Do I go back now and say something? Do I apologize now? Do I apologize later? What do I do? At the end of the day, they wanted to understand. They wanted to know. And so, yeah, I think this goes back to our, the earlier part of our conversation where it's important to educate. And you were saying how it's important to tell people and to, and to let them know. And as I think about the next generation, so you and I have children. We want to make sure that the next generation doesn't feel that emotional tax as much as we probably did growing up, but it's also a different time in the world. And they're probably feeling it even more so, and maybe not recognizing it as much, but it's there. And so what would you recommend that we do for our young people as, you know, they have more chances? We've had this conversation before too. I think sometimes, not always, but when you attend an HBCU versus a PWI, Uh I think that they somehow, I don't know if it's, if it's pixie dust when you sleep or what it is. The HBCUs prepare you for what it is to be black in the U.S. of A. Let me just tell you, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. If it's like little sprinkles of pixie dust in your yeah. sleep or what, but they really they 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 prepare you for you've got to be whether you like it or not. What is it like twenty times better, ten times as faster? Yes. I mean that that's the world we're living in. Mm-hmm. So how do we train our young people to recognize those microaggressions and to be able to deal with them in a way that they don't. Um, because I do think in some ways they also feel more em- emboldened to say something, right? So how yes. do we teach them to speak up, but do it in a way that doesn't cause a problem for them because you then you get into the argumentative and now you're rude and disrespectful. So now something that happened to you that was inappropriate, now you're the one in, in some hot water because you tried addressing it. So what do we tell them to do? Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, I'm trying to, Think about experiences where I've had to tell both of my children, you know, here's what you need to do or here's what you need to say. And it's been very challenging um, because uh, both of my children were, uh, they are the product of PWIs, right? And they, when things started to happen, to them when they started realizing things were happening was probably when they were in middle school or high school. And I think the assumption was that it would be different when they went to college. And um, I think that they, they certainly broadened their horizons and their knowledge and thinking. And now what I love is that they are brutally honest about calling people out. 
And I don't know if it's because they, um, because they had all these, these varied experiences with, you know, people from all backgrounds and colors, shapes, sizes, all of it. And if it's because, you know, they've got me as their mama, him as their dad, and they, we have spoken ad nauseum about the types of things that they would experience. But I do think that they are, to your point, certainly more vocal. I, I have to say that sometimes I'm concerned because I think that they can sometimes be a little too vocal and I'm worried about, you know, what they're saying, the way they're saying it, who they're saying it to, because again, crazy world we're living in. But at the end of the day, I think we still need to um, impress upon them the need to say what they got to say and educate people and continue to do that, but do it in a way that is not going to emotionally tax you and be able to um, allow people just for a second to truly understand how you're feeling, what that experience was like for you. If they don't get it, that's fine because everybody's not going to get it and just walk away. If they do get it, that's one more person that you have been able to bring around to understanding the microaggression, the act, the intent, the way that it made you feel, the impact that it had on you. It's one more person that you brought around to understanding how that same incident you could be in, that person could be in with somebody else and do the same thing and how it just expands. But if you now have the knowledge and the thinking from somebody who actually had an educational conversation with you, that's one person that you've got to move in the right direction. So I, you know, to your point, how do you do it in a way that, you know, makes people, doesn't put people, you know, on the defense and make them feel, you know, um, like they, they need to roll their eyes and be like, oh my gosh, woke again. You gotta, whatever you do, just make sure you're educating. Don't, don't, and don't tax yourself. That's, that's my, that's my, that's my honest, honest opinion around all of it. It's what I tell both of them all the time. Cause sometimes they'll text me and tell me about situations or they'll call me and be heated about something that just happened. And I'll just be like, so what did you say? And nine times out of 10, I walk away from the conversation or the text like, mm -hmm, proud. They did me proud because they educated somebody. Even if the person walked away still annoyed and mad, that's fine. You drop some knowledge on them. That's okay. We got to keep doing that. I thank you so much for this conversation and um, just helping people to understand the term and what we can do when we are either a victim of a microaggression or when we have witnessed it and want to step in. Because I think some of us are still learning and maybe a young person who doesn't quite have their voice yet or just somebody who is uh, a little too timid to speak up. Um, and we can be that ally and that voice for that person um, as they uh, find their own voice. Because that's what this podcast is all about. We want women of color to know that they have a voice and that they, they have a voice. Um, they can use it. Yeah. And no, nobody can take it that. from you. Yeah. <laughs> and definitely use it. Yeah. yeah. That's what we want people to learn, to take away from this conversation. Use your voice. Don't let anybody, don't walk away from a conversation and say, I should have said, I wish mm -hmm. I had, you know, say, say what, what you, you need, need to say. say. Yep. And move on. Yep. Do not add any more emotional tax to what you've already got because we all got it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this time. You got anything new coming up you want to uh, talk about? What's going on with MGJ Speaks Girl? What oh, yeah. So I am, you know, I've been really thinking for the longest time about, you know, my blog and really not just making sure that I'm writing more, but really writing with a purpose. And so this year I am in the process of actually writing a book about really the experiences that have shaped me, but more importantly, how I use those experiences to do something or give something, make it additive to somebody else's life. Because I think that's the most important thing in the world that you can, you can give something to others. And you know how, um, you know, things happen in your life and you go, how did that happen? And it's not until years later you recognize that there was a lesson in it for you, 
but it's also a lesson that you can share with somebody else because they need to learn. And so um, that's what I'm doing. Uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I am writing a book about my experiences, just things that have, random things that have happened that I've been able to share with others to help them think about their journey and turn it into a different, a different way of thinking for them. So yeah. So we're in the beginning stages? We are in the beginning stages at the moment. I'm just kind of gathering some things, um, going all the way back to um, my childhood. Because again, they're all about the experiences that have shaped me. So going back to from my childhood up until you know, things that happened to me last week and really thinking about, <laughs> thinking about the things that, not just things that have happened to me, but what have I done with them to, how have I allowed them to help to help someone else, you know what I mean? And so um, I'm super excited about this project. It's something that I've been milling around for a long time, but I said, you know, 2023 is my year. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm very excited. Well, I can't wait, honey. I can't wait. You need somebody to edit, you know, so I can get, I can, I can read it before everybody else. I'm just, I know. <laughs> that's, you know, that's a shame, but hey. Why not? Girl, girl, I, trust me, trust me. You will be the first to know when I'm when I'm in a good place where I think I'm good because I will need somebody to take a look at it, just kind of rip it apart. I can't just be like, you know, MGJ Speaks, oh, here's my new book. No. So <laughs> yes, thank you for the offer. I will, I will make sure to do that. But yeah, I'm super excited. I'm so, so excited to have this conversation with you, Karen, because it's so important. Um, I'm glad it's one of the things that you are really raising awareness around and I only hope that you continue to just encourage people to use their voice encourage women like you said to really use their voice um yes yeah, so important so important so thank you you're welcome yeah I'm excited to have the conversation and to get our girls on board you know I want them to learn that early yes um teaching taught me those, just those couple of years that I taught the things that I saw, you know, when our girls spoke up, it just wasn't, it wasn't taken the same way. They weren't given the same props. They weren't yeah. told how, you know, how much of a leader they were, you know, mm -hmm. it, was, it was where they got an attitude and all of that. And so I wanted them, I want them to learn early that unfortunately this is a fact of like, it's like you told your daughter, this is what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Now I know it's a shock when it actually does. Cause sometimes they don't think as parents, we know what we're talking about. Oh, please. That's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other conversation. Yes. It's a whole nother conversation, but yes. you know, it's incumbent upon us to let them know it's coming and to make sure that they are clear that it doesn't yeah. mean that you don't have a right to speak. Um, they can call you angry attitude, whatever, you know, um, adjective they want to use, but it doesn't mean that you don't have a right to speak. Yeah. Um, and so I definitely want them to learn that because I think it helps them to become women who are more yeah. confident and strong. Um, yeah, women. absolutely. Yes. And I think my parents really helped with that. You know, attending an HBCU helped with that. The fact that I like words in general is helpful too. But I learned early that I could speak up just as well as anybody else in my class, as anybody else in my peer group. And that I didn't need to be ashamed of that. And so yeah. um, I hope that uh, some of the women who listen to this will share this with their daughters um, and encourage them to say what you, like you said, say what you need to say and let that thing go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> let yep. it go, you know, and don't pay any more emotional tax than is necessary. Yeah. Um, because the next, you, I guess the sad part is you don't know when the next one is coming around to bend, honey. You it's don't. Because if you hold on to it, it's like in five minutes, it's just like, God dang. Like, I mean, there could be, there yes. could be many of those microaggressions lobbed your way in a day. Yeah. In oh, one day. Uh, all day. All day. Yeah. So it's important to go ahead and say what you need to and move on. And with that, that is all the time we have for today. If you have a story you want to tell, you know what to do. Hit me up at KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. That is KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. You can always send me a message and let me know what story you have to tell. We'd love to have you on the podcast. And until we meet again. Be blessed.